Welcome to our podcast. It's a privilege again to to be able to speak into your life. And I just pray that your heart would be open and prepared to receive a word of encouragement, refreshment, and guidance. God bless you. Today, I want to talk about a land of hills and valleys. I want to talk about a new land for you. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to go way back to the children of Israel when they were being delivered from Egypt because God had promised that he would deliver them from circularity and he would deliver them from the vast flatlands and boredom and wearisome, unrequited pay. Egypt was flat. Egypt was monotonous, wearisome, boring, east, west, north, south, a valley. Ever been to Indiana? Flat. I was raised in Iowa. Flat. There's something about being in the wilderness of Egypt where sameness begins to choke you and monotony in your life begins to be magnified. Loved one, did you know in Egypt there were no natural mountains and heights? There was just monotony, wearisome service, and day by day, if you looked east, west, north, and south, your hopelessness was simply magnified. Have you ever felt that? Have you looked east, west, north, south, and you see nothing? The only high places in Egypt were man-made. The Pyramid of Giza, the Pyramid of Saqqara, the Bent Pyramid. If you want us to go see the movie Gods and Kings, you're going to at least be able to see a shot of ancient Egypt and all the high places. But in Egypt, there were no natural mountains. There were only man-made heights. And I've been to every one of them. One of the greatest sorrows of my life that I doubt in my lifetime I'll ever be able to go back to Egypt again. Oh, the step pyramid is beautiful. I've stepped on those stones and climbed to the top of the Great Pyramid of Giza, and I think I actually threw up on top of the Great Pyramid of Giza because I'm afraid of heights. But I wanted someday to tell my children, your father climbed the Great Pyramid. Immense mountains, but they're man-made. Loved one, we're going to talk this morning about us moving from man-made things to God-made things in our life. We're going to move from flatland and wearisome bondage where there's no hope. And did you know about Egypt? Egypt was a land that had to be pumped by the foot. You say, what is that? Let me read the text. Deuteronomy 11, 11 and 12. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and it drinketh water of the rain of heaven, and land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. Did you know that God promised the children of Israel, you've been in Egyptian bondage for 400 years, you know nothing but flat land, you know nothing but monotony, and I'm going to trick you, I'm going to trick you, into starting to hope. You know, God's a trickster. He is. He'll, 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 he'll lure you gently into situations where you run into someone you hoped you'd never see to resolve an issue. He's a trickster. He'll send you out to Vaughn's Market to catch something, and he'll bring someone right up next to you that needs a special word that only you can give. He'll, you know, we just have to be feathers in the wind. But he told his people, I'm taking you somewhere that you don't even have a mental picture possible of. They'd never seen 
a land of hills and valleys. They'd never seen high vistas from a mountaintop. They never saw the lavishness of the land of Canaan. Did you know the promised land was a land of hills and valleys and fruitfulness beyond compare? Now, the problem with them is that they had seen only flat land for so long that it was impossible to believe. And you know what they had to do in Egypt? It was laborious. They had, the, the Nile once a year would overflow and they had to go to work in their human efforts to dig canals, complex canals that were all run by foot watering. Have you ever seen those bicycles? People go by horizontally, they're leaning back and they're pedaling. How about laying back on one of those and pedaling those for 30 years of your life? You had to pedal by the foot to get the water as soon as it came to try to manage and manipulate the land so that all of the Nile water would go in its proper course in order to get your fruitfulness. Love one, Egypt is a land of exhaustion. Have you been exhaustion? <laughs> it's, a land, it's a land. And, and I'll get to the man-made thing. That's my big punch is we're moving from man-made things to God-made things. But, 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 you know, even when they climbed the heights, now you couldn't climb the Great Pyramid back then because it had casing stones and you wouldn't be able to climb up. But, you know, I've been up inside the Great Pyramid of Giza and I laid down in the sarcophagus there and I was the only man in the world at that moment laying down in the pyramid, in the pyramid. <laughs> Napoleon stood there. Shut up. Alexander the Great. You know, there are moments... Man-made objects are beautiful. Egypt's history is magnificent. But I want you to see that when you climb the Great Pyramid and, and you're finally at what they would consider a height, it only magnified your hopelessness. Because now I'm higher up and can see there's nothing but flat land, east, west, north, and south, absolute hopelessness, no possibility of higher advancement. You know, sometimes after some of these songs, you want to hear a gunshot. Here's some of these love songs, you know. Remember that old joke, you know, when you play a country record backwards, what happens? You get your wife back, you get your life back, you get your wife, yeah. There was one country song when I was singing in the nightclubs as a boy, we used to sing, I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison, and I went to pick her up in the rain, but before I could get there in my pickup truck, she got run over by a great big train. That, that's it. That's every country song in one line. I know you needed that. <laughs> Write that on your... Bible promise bookmark. What, what is he talking about now? God is wanting us to move from man-made things. We see what you can do. We've seen what I can do. Oh, my God, help us. Do you see the imagery of Egypt? Hopeless, unrequited labor. We're talking about you got that foot pedal, and you're just going to pedal in order to get the water to go through your irrigation system for the rest of your life. There's no relief. And you've got Pharaoh, who has all of his men whipping you. Wow. No wonder God said, I want you out of that. I want to bring you into a new land. I think the Lord's saying to us, too, prepare yourselves. I'm, I'm empathizing with where you've been, but the land you're going to, you're not going to have to manipulatively pump with your foot. It's going to flow with milk and honey. You're going to have rain. You won't need the Nile. The rain from heaven is what's going to come down and moisten this land. And you're going to have valleys. You, you, loved one, at least in a valley, you can't see really what's going on, but there's a hope that there might be something beyond the valley. When you're in the flatland of Egypt, there's zip hope. <laughs> everybody's being beaten. Everybody's irrigating the land. Everybody's building complex things in their own strength to just pray the Nile. By the way, if the Nile didn't ever overflow, you were 
dead in one shot. God said, I'm going to bring you to a land that's it's different than the land you've been in. It's going to be a total paradigm shift. It's, it's literally a land of a different essence. Now, I, I know, Craig, don't give us false hope and fairy dust. We don't need to hear one more message about it. It's going to turn around. Yeah, you do. Because that's what the Lord is doing in the earth. And I, I'd be a liar if I told you something else. I want to preach, but he has me prophesying lately. I said, Lord, I just want to preach and line by line and precept by precept. He said, do that on a Wednesday night or something. Tell the fresh thing I'm saying because the people listening need to hear it. Loved one, you are coming out of the flat land of your life, and you are being led step by step into a land flowing. It's a land you don't have to pump. You had to pump with your feet. That's exhausting. You're on a treadmill forever. What do you do in Egypt? I'm on a treadmill forever. Look around and be hopeless. Have you ever been to a place in your life in flat land? That's Egypt. Anywhere you look, even if you climb up on top of the Great Pyramid, that magnifies your helplessness. <laughs> I'm talking to the right crowd. See, they, they've never, God says hills and valleys. It might as well have been Charlie Brown's teacher. I'm taking you to a, because they have no mental picture. No mental picture. What did that prophet say? Well, he said, we're going to, how do you, Remember, remember when Prince changed his name to an artist formerly known as Prince and it was just a symbol? <laughs> it was an unspeakable name. Well, he changed that back. That wasn't working. The first day that came out, I said, eh. <laughs> oh. See what I'm saying? Sometimes God just has to it, just point. He can't even talk because you won't understand. A woman that spoke another language the other day was in a, trying to talk to me. And I couldn't understand a word she was saying. It was partly English, partly speaking in tongues, I think. I just couldn't get it. And loved one, the reason why God has to give us oceanic hopefulness and, and, and a monsoon rain of hopefulness in our heart and all out of proportion, praise and encouragement, is because where we're going, there's no mental picture of because we've never seen it before. Dennis likes to say, how can I get a mental picture of something that God told me has never been before? You can't. When someone, you know when you're explaining a color and you say, well, it's sort of like that and it's sort of like the carpet and it's sort of like, you can't, the children of Israel had no capacity to get a mental picture of a land flowing with milk and honey. They had no idea. A land I don't have to manage, control, manipulate. That's why Egypt is associated with witchcraft. Witchcraft is when you are trying to work and manipulate. And you ever try to manipulate someone? Even just a little bit? That's witchcraft. That's saying, my kingdom come, my will be done. You can work a person, but you know what? This unnatural, it feels unnatural when someone's trying to manipulate you and control you. That's why I don't like to walk out of the store and see the solicitation people. Right? The sign says no soliciting, and it's always a Christian group out there. <laughs> Read the sign! <laughs> you're not, you know, you walk out, you're in a beautiful place of peace, and you see somebody sitting there, and all of a sudden your stomach tightens up, and you feel obligated that if I don't give money to them, I'm a fool, and, I'm, and they're going, hi, how are you? God bless you. Have a good night. I just want to shop. That's manipulation. Even a little bit of it, that's what Egypt represented. They had to hump and pump and push and scream and yell, and God said, I want to bring you to land where you don't have to do that. Now, here's, now here's that, that's, that's all for free. I want to read a text from Isaiah Listen carefully right now, because this is a special word. I wasn't even going to mention this, but the Lord said, there's some people there that need to hear this. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Listen to this. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness, and hath no light? Wait a minute. 
You fear and reverence the Lord, don't you? Do you want to obey his voice? Did you know that Isaiah said, there are some people that fear the Lord and obey the voice of his servant, and they walk in darkness and have no light. Doesn't that sound contradictory? How can you be in the middle of God's will and have darkness and no light? Welcome to reality. A walk with God sometimes means you walk through a season of darkness. But it doesn't that seem contradictory? I love the Lord. I want to obey him. I hear the voice of his servants, and I'm in darkness. Yeah, and the next verse, verse 11, says, don't kindle fires and sparks in your own strength. When you come through, uh, when you go into a season of darkness, there's a, there, the fear produces a need to try to manipulate and control any way to get the light on. You know, you've got your box of matches, wooden matches. <laughs> You're breaking all the tips off and using your own strength and ability and gifts to bring a little light. Have you ever uh, worn yourself out doing that? See, God's wanting to bring us from a place of human effort, human exhaustion. I see so many Christians exhausted saying, Craig, I've done everything. I fasted four days, and then I bound it, and I loosed it, and I rebuked it, and I go, oh, honey, you're not a human doing. You're a human being. St drop it all. But I've built such an elaborate tower to Babel <laughs> of Babel to heaven. I, Craig, burn it down. Loved one, when the darkness of the Lord comes on your life for a season, the matchsticks of your gifts and abilities cannot produce light. That's a man-made attempt. Follow me now. God's moving us from man-made things to God-made things. There's such a difference. There's such a difference. Some of you are in darkness. Good news. God will bring light to your darkness but it won't be the matchsticks of your ingenuity and your gift and your, you know, our prayer is usually, Lord, my kingdom come, my will be done in heaven. And we scream his name at him, right? And we quote some Bible verses to get his arm up behind his back. Now we've got him, Jesus, in your name. And then they, you scream scriptures all out of context, but it sounds good because you did that at a prayer meeting when you were young. Loved one, he's a person, he's a who. He cannot be manipulated. You can manipulate people. You can never manipulate God. Isn't it about time we move from man-made things that smell of sweat? Man-made things stink. What God does is fragrant. What the devil does smells like manure. What you do smells like sweat. And there's, only, there's too much sweat sometimes. I smell when I hug you. I want to serve God! Okay, well, just why don't you relax? Or first go to the bathroom because there seems to be a problem. And then rest. You know, the, the Zen Buddhists have more peace than we do. They can sit for five hours on a bar without moving. We can't sit 10 minutes with our head going all over the place. <laughs> That's another tape. That'll be out soon. I was on an airplane with a, one of the most peaceful-looking guys I'd ever seen. I just looked at him and started to fall asleep. I said, gosh, you sure have whatever you got. <laughs> Remember Cain in Kung Fu, how cool he was, how calm he was? Cain, what do you do? I eat, I live. Wow. I remember being a boy going, I want to be like him. Basically just to kill other people at the end of the, the show. But I'll do the peaceful thing too. Love one, it's time for a new land. 
It's time to get out of the darkness, but it's not going to be through the matchsticks of our talents. And he will not use our man-made efforts to get us to the place where God made things occur. Now, let me just move through this a bit because I'm so excited I can't contain myself. Do you realize that the Great Pyramid of Giza is the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world still exists? Do you know that they, the only height they had, the idea of a vista or a mountain vista, was that? Okay? Now, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, two of the seven were in Egypt. One was Pharaoh's lighthouse. I don't get me into this now. But the great library of Alexandria, I've been every one of these places. Start crying a minute. So beautiful. But if God tells them, by the way, see this one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? They didn't know it then. They're going, yeah. He goes, I'm going to bring you to a place better than this. You're going to see something more nourishing to your soul than this. Come on, I've been to the Great Pyramid there. It's hard to beat that one. But there's always a critic. You know, I was at the light show at the base of the Great Pyramid, pitch dark, can't see your hand in front of your face, and a light comes up on the face of the Sphinx, and the voice says, all things fear time, but time alone fears the pyramid. And boom, the lights go on, and I went, Ah! <laughs> oh my God, crazy praise. And the guy next to me went, eh, it's all right. I mean, they could have put, you know. There's always a thumbs down. I looked online at the Sermon on the Mount the other day in a little video and there were 26 thumbs down. On what? The meek? Blessed are the meek? Yeah, I, I hate criticism. Anyway, the guy's criticizing. It's not so big as I thought and he could have been rounded off. And I said, oh, for God's sake. But the chair, <laughs> that's majesty. Well, you know, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. There's always a hater, honey. There's always somebody that says to Jesus, oh, he's just not talented. My rabbi could out-preach him any morning. See, don't listen to that voice of criticism. That's the voice you have to fight that's trying to keep you in Egypt. You just shut up and sit down and stay here in this hopeless place, in this flat land. No, I want to go where there's a land of... I'll sign on for that. I don't know what it looks like. I can't see it. It's never been done before, but by the grace of God, we are going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord at this church, and we are going to see in our lifetime with our eyes the move of God that he's promised. But it's not man-made. All right, now here, let me just, this is, I'm, I'm, too, I'm loaded too much up today. I want to talk about, just, just give a few examples of man-made things. Did you know, don't even try to follow that bulletin, just take it home later. <laughs> Had no hope. There's no hope. We just surrender right now. Listen to, do you know, do you know when you were to build an altar for God, listen to this, what, what am I doing with sunglasses up here? Exodus 20. <laughs> Ex- <laughs> Ushers, remove every one of those people. No, just remove every other person, just because I said so. I'm the pastor. <laughs> Exodus 20, verse 25 says, When you were to build an altar for the Lord, and if thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. God said, I want you to build altars to me of unfashioned, unhewn stone. That means you find the stone in situ where it is, nasty, rugged, natural, just like God made it. And you pull one of those stones and bring it together with other stones you found laying in the field. Just bring them as they are. They're okay as they are. Bring them together. 
He said, don't take your ingenuity and your talent and your gift and your sword and your mallet and try to shape that stone the way you know God wants it to be. That's ugly. I'm going to make it pretty. I'm going to saw that thing off here. I'm going to take my sword here. I'm going to just cut away. God said, do not, do not raise your sword, your implement, to try to fashion the stone your way. Loved one, is there anything in your life that just should, it is what it is and it should be left the way it is, but you want to fashion it. You want to take control. Get my implements. Bill, Scott, Pete, bring the power drill. (laughs) Now we're going to, God said, no. When you build an altar for me, dear heart, I want it of unhewn stones. I don't need your help. I don't need your handiwork. And you know what's interesting the Hebrew word is translated sword. What would you do a sword with a stone? What are you, you going to do that? Not about King Arthur or anything. Maimonides, the great rabbi, used to say, you were not to touch that rock with a sword because a sword was an implement of taking life and the altar was an implement of extending life. So you don't mess around. Do you, are there things in life you've tried to manage your way? You've tried to cut and paste it your way? It's like putting all your clothes in a suitcase and they're all hanging out, but you take scissors and just cut all around so it looks just real good. You're managing it. You're putting your sword on that thing. You're putting your implements. Let me, let me, will I unleash my talents, gifts, and abilities on this stone? You know, no, God says, leave it alone. Take it from the field where you found it. Bring it together. You know, altars are made of hard things brought together. Unhewn, crooked, cutting, painful things. And they would find those unhewn stones, and they would not touch them or shape them with their ingenuity and talent. They would bring them together. God's, God's in the process of bringing all the hard stones, hard things of your life together in one place so that he can, he can pour out his fire and his blessing and his cleansing. Loved one, Egypt was a land of man-made things. They were beautiful. They were majestic. But you know what? As beautiful as they were, God told his people, I know you saw the beautiful casing stones in the pyramid. I don't want you to build altars that look like the world. I want mine to be just beautiful and simple and elegant, and I will meet you there. God wanted, why? do you see the value, the, the value of unhewn stones? It, it's just, you're not going to have to push your will and try to manage this next season of your life. You won't have to foot pump like you have in Egypt. Here, let me take over there. You get out of the way. Jenny, get the mop. Bill, get the scissors. We're coming in here. We're going to take over. God's breaking a, a witchcraft spirit over people, a controlling spirit. Egypt is all about a, a, a monitored land, a controlled land, a managed land, a forced land. Loved one, the land he wants us to go to is a land that will not require our efforts to create man-made things. You know, there's another very interesting point I want to bring up today, and this is, oh, this is, this is, this is delicious. Mm-hmm. This is that dessert at Ruth's Chris with the berries that you pour the sauce on. Right. Do you remember Saul and David? Saul was the first king of Israel, and David was the second king of Israel. And they were both unexpectedly anointed by Samuel the prophet. Do you remember the story? Someone say, amen, I've been reading my Bible all day, Craig. I was just finished Samuel's story last night. The Bible says that they were both anointed with oil. It's the same word for oil, shemen. So they, uh, Samuel anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. And if you remember the story, Saul turned out to be a very fleshly, self-willed guy. He was handsome. He was head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel, best-looking hunk of flesh in the empire. Samuel came to him and anointed him with oil. Okay? 
But it says that the oil was in a, a flask. It was in a man-made container. Okay? David, that's 1 Samuel 10.1. David is also anointed. Same word for oil. But his container is different. It says Samuel took a horn of oil. Hit the container he was anointed with wasn't a man-made thing. It had been a living thing. A horn in the Bible was a symbol of power, strength, blessing, dignity. You can just see the imagery of the beasts that would fight together with those horns. Have you ever seen them lock horns together, run at each other at 40 miles an hour? This imagery of a horn, did you see? It, 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 it lays out the very vessel that held the oil shows you the difference between Saul and David. God is calling us away from the, 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 the elegance of man-made boxes to contain his oil, and he wants us to be horns of salvation, see? See, God loves man-made things. David was anointed with a God-made horn. I've got one of those horns at my house. It's called a shofar. And you, you cannot blow that thing to save your life. You will kill yourself if you try to blow. Little Arwen goes in and goes, here, let me have it. And you know, your eyes pop out and you like one of those fish pulled up from the bottom of the sea. It's, like, it's really hard. I mean, it takes a lot to blow one of those things. But when I hold it in my hand, I'm holding something that God made. The flask bucket that Saul was in, a, it was man-made. We're coming into a season, loved one, where you are going to be anointed with God-made things. Can you imagine a God-made friendship? Can you imagine a God-made job? Can you imagine a God-made spouse? Can, can you... <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Rather than man-made, oh, I, I want to see the land of horn, and I want to be anointed with a horn. I want to see what I don't. I, I, Joshua and Caleb were the two that said we are well able to take the land, but they had to wait. They had to wait 40 years to get back in. But Caleb's 84, and he comes back in the land and sees Mount Hebron, the highest outpost, and says, "Give me that mountain." The old man. Give me that mountain. I want the highest one. You see, when you're in Egypt, you just don't know how delicious a mountain can be. Hmm? There it is. You know, we don't need man-made things. You know, I'm reminded of another little story in the Bible that struck me last night. Um, do you remember when Elijah called fire down from heaven? The scripture says in 1 Kings 18, 28, that it says that uh, Elijah said, okay, we're going to build an altar, and you guys can pray to Baal, and whoever answers by fire, let him be God. So it says they jumped on the altar, 450 of them, and they're screaming, oh, Baal, oh, Baal, bring fire down from heaven, show that you're God. And then it says they began to cut themselves. Can you imagine they already had a bullock. They started mixing their blood with the blood on the altar. Oh, oops. God doesn't need our blood. He doesn't need us fashioning the stones of the altar. Loved one, we're coming from a man-made to a God-made set of things, and your dreams, little by little, are going to come true. Oh, loved one. Did you know in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, Jesus Christ is seen as a, a rock? Daniel 2, 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Did you know that Jesus Christ is seen as a, a stone not hewn by man, an unhewn stone, 
a complete act of God who shows up and breaks all the idols and grows into a great mountain that fills the earth. Did you know God's about to do a God-made thing in your life? It's unhewn by human hands. It comes right from him, and it's going to rise a kingdom up and a blessing up in your life that no human being could construct. And he gets all the glory. Do you know why idols are stupid? Jeremiah said, you guys sit down and take wood and you make an idol and you bow down and worship it and said, this be our God. And then you carry it home. <laughs> he says, you don't need a God you can carry. You need, you need a God who can carry you. What kind of a foolish thing to do a man-made fashioning on stone or wood and say, these be our gods that take us to high places. Loved one, we don't need any idols. I would never worship an idol, Craig. Yeah, you worship your own idea on every matter. Idols are idols, whether metal or mental. You'd never burn incense to a Baal figure. Well, some of you would. One of you would. <laughs> Usher, remove. But you'll worship your opinion after dinner, and you sit down and say, Now, these Democrats don't stand a chance. There we go. Now we're hearing Daddy's idols coming out. Oh, here, come on, Daddy. We worship thee. <laughs> Loved one, idols are things we make. And they have to fall down and be broken because they're not God-made things. I know you got the point. I know I resurrected the horse. I know I beat it to death again. But I'm not quite finished. It's a new land. It's a new paradigm. It's nothing like the land you've left. It's a journey into the unknown. It's leaving the monotonous for newest, new species of land. We're going to have to do things differently to navigate this land. It's not the same valley. It's not going to be uninteresting. It's not going to be man-made, hopeless, weary. They left weariness behind them, slavery behind them, death behind them, the very emptiness of this earth. Loved one, this earth doesn't satisfy. I'm telling you that while you're young. It's cotton candy. The more you eat, the quicker it dissolves. Daddy's trying to help you. Now, I know you're going to learn on your own. Isn't that terrible to see young people jump into pits off a diving board that it took me 25 years to get out of, but they, they can handle it? I got this. I'm fine. I'm invincible. Okay. Good luck, baby. See you in 10 years. <laughs> you come back with scars and ulcers. and <laughs> Craig, I should have listened to you. I know, I know. Look, I, I'm just trying to help you. There's something about living in a place with man-made visions and man-made hopes, and they always fail. But loved one, God's moving us to a land where there are high visions, high hopes, and true new vistas. And you don't need to work the land with your foot. And God will provide the rain. And Psalm 126 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us for us whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. O loved one, that verse is about leaving Egypt and going into the land of hills and valleys. Jesus, our Lord, came from his elevated place in heaven assumed humanity, humanness, a nature of humanity. He was born to die. 
He died as the Lamb of God. Do you remember Egypt? Their passage out in Exodus 12 was this. Take a newborn lamb, let it bond with the family for a few days, then take and cut its throat, pour out its blood, catch the blood, and take a hyssop and apply it on the top of the door and on both sides. That forms a cross. And every house that was covered by the lamb's blood, death stepped over it. Pesach, death stepped over that house. Loved one, all of that story of leaving Egypt and going to Canaan is a type and a shadow. We were in Egypt, the type of the world, tormented by Satan, Pharaoh, the type of the evil one. But through the shed blood of a lamb in the form of a cross, death had to force its way away from us. And then he brought them in a straight line of conquest through the Red Sea on dry ground. Two million people left because of the blood of the Lamb, the free grace of a God who says, I see you in your hopelessness. And I'm talking to servants of the Lord. I'm not talking about people that don't know God from a stump in the ground. It's been dark. It's been dark. Let's tell the truth. But God... We don't deny reality here, but I love that little phrase. It's worse than you thought, but God is able to bring you out. Yeah, they, they cussed about you more than you've even heard, but God is able to redeem the situation. Yeah, they betrayed you and meant it, but God is able to come in through the blood of his lamb and bring me out of this monotonous flatland into something I've never seen, but what a joy to experience something new. I love to get the mail since I was a little boy. I run out to the mail every day. Because there could be something in it. Maybe there's a treat, right? I look. Have you ever done that? You open the door and you see a package. And you go, oh, and it's for the neighbor. It's like, oh, oh, Lord. Yeah, it's your life. I just prophesied over something. That's me for 50 years. Yeah, hold on. God can still send you, send you a blessing in a bucket. He can still surprise you with joy. And, you know, rejoice when other people get a little blessing. Weep with those that weep. Dance with those that dance. It's Your time is coming soon, dear. He's promised you a land of hills and valleys, and he will not disappoint you. What a joy to move from man-made things, as pretty as they are. Say, Lord, I want to see an uncultivated land that's got grapes and grapes. Pomegranates. What's a pomegranate? Can you imagine that? 200-pound clusters of grapes two men have to hold on a pole? What? What? You know, you've been in prison eating bread and Campbell's soup for 30 years, and someone brings you a pomegranate as big as a basketball and says, this is yours, and you want to sabotage it. Give it away to someone else. God goes, no, there's another one here. When you eat that, there's about 500,000 more out here. Can you imagine? Doesn't that just make your heart skip a little bit? Maybe I'll get something in the mail. Maybe God does have something in that great big black bag for me. Remember Dorothy after the tin man got his heart? Scarecrow got his diploma, which made him Einstein. Figured that causal fallacy out. And then Dorothy just goes, well, I don't think there's anything in that big black bag for me. Dorothy, there is something. There is something. The Lord is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken, and shall he not do? Has he said, and shall he not make it good? But it's all free because of Jesus. 
You see, the message helps you, but it goes beyond you because God's speaking prophetically. He's moving in the nations, loved one. Don't let the enemy interpret reality for you. God is on the move. It's going to get better, and then it's going to get best, and it's worth the wait. Don't sabotage your life anymore. Don't, 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 don't just live on man-made things and your own will. Let's surrender right now. Let's surrender right now. Can we, can we sing that, that song, the line of that song, I Surrender All? Can we sing that song? I surrender all, Lord. I surrender all, Lord. I have heard your call. Lay my life down before you. Could you sing it one? I surrender all, Lord. I surrender all, Lord. Be Lord Jesus, I surrender. Let's surrender our disbelief and our hopelessness. Sing it again. Yes, I surrender the disbelief. Surrender the bitterness. Surrender the unbelief. I surrender, oh Lord. I have heard your call to lay my life down before you. You sing it, church. Jesus. May God bless you and refresh you and encourage you. Lord, we allow you right now to help us dismantle every man-made thing. Thank you for unhewn stones that could be pushed away real quick if they became idols we just push them away real quick unhewn stones can be dismantled real quick but on the altar we lay our lives down jesus you have bought us with a price we are not our own oh loved one he paid the price with his blood you are his baby you're his little girl you're his little boy you belong to him he bought and paid for you he loves you so much he wants to lift you from the hopelessness he wants to lift you from the sameness he wants to take you even from the high places of pyramids where you know, you've seen a lot of high places, but it just accentuated the loneliness. You know? It accentuated how hopeless the valley was in every direction. Well, he's a God who leads us out in order to lead us in. Deuteronomy 6.24 said he led you out in order that he might lead you in. Did you know that he said to the children of Israel, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt to lead you in to a land of hills and valleys. All of life is leaving and entering. 
You leave the womb to enter into life. You leave your childhood to enter into school and adulthood. And you leave college to to go into the workforce. And you leave uh, everything to enter in a new state of affairs. All of life is leaving and entering. All of your life. Think of it. You're always leaving one state of affairs to enter into the next state of affairs. And let me encourage you, loved one, how we leave a state of affairs dictates how we enter into the next state of affairs. If you leave that relationship bitter, you're going to take that bitterness into the next relationship. It's a promise, not not a hope. It's a promise. If you leave that church in negativity and it's a rip and tear, you're going to enter into the next church negatively with a rip and tear spirit. Loved one, God wants to not only remove us from Egypt, but he wants us to leave well. Amen. So we're going to have to leave, shake loose of all of our old Egypt clothes and mentality. And, and we're going to say, Lord, I want to leave well because I'm going to enter in well. I pray for you, dear one. God will strengthen you to leave the thing you need to leave well. And he'll give you strength and a new hope and vista. He's going to wash your face. He'll give us a spiritual shower. He's going to, oh, it's just, it's like you get a beauty treatment. You can go to the beauty shop and you're going to get a shower and you're going to get new clothes. You're going to get your nail done. You get your hair done. You get everything done. And then you're going to get up and then you're going to walk into a new vista where there are high places, where there are mountaintops you've never dreamt of. So look at everything down there. And there are valleys full of water and fruit. You know, the sweetest fruit is in the valley. You get closer to the waters of God's land when you're in the valley. Oh, and there's variety. You're going to go up, then you're going to go down. Let's have lunch up on the mountaintop. Okay, let's have dinner down in the valley. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to get a present in the mail? They're coming. Father, thank you for your goodness. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for that. You said you're with us to the end of the age. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Now fill every heart with peace. Oh, loved one, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me your child. Let me live with you forever. Amen. There it is right there. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again, you should be saved. That's that simple. A baby could do it. Oh, just feel his love for a moment. I just want you to let him lavish his love upon you for a few minutes. Let's close your eyes wherever you are. Put your hands up. You say, I accept you, Lord. I want your blessing. Touch me, Lord. Lord, heal your children. Deliver your babies. If it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off, Lord. Deliver your children right now. Whisper with a whisper. Breathe on us, O breath of God, till we be wholly thine. Breathe upon us, O breath of God, till we be wholly thine. He's anointed you with a horn of oil. <laughs> it's God made. You're going to be a good king. You're going to be a good queen. I'm so proud of you. I know the Lord's so proud of you. 
said, you're a good little queen. You're a good little king. Hallelujah. You're going to pull the sword out of the stone just like Arthur did. Remember? Remember the sword and the stone? No one could pull that sword out of that stone. But guess what? You can. It's going to be your little innocent hand that's going to pull a sword out of the stone that no mighty man and no mighty woman has ever been able to pull. It's got vines around it. Everybody's given up on it because no one can pull it out. But guess what? Your little hand hasn't touched it yet. Is that right? Come on, child of God. You're going to push through the overgrowth and undergrowth and look and see that beautiful gleaming sword with a light from heaven shining on it. And you're just going to pull it out. And then your weird brother Kay will say, well, once it's been pulled out, once anyone can pull it out. <laughs> then you put it back in and they try and they can't pull it out. God has a blessing only your hand can feel and see. Father, thank you so much that you've, you've taught our fingers to war. You've taught our hands to war. Thank you for everything we've learned in our lives, bringing us to this hour. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in Jesus' name. Can you give God praise where you are right now? Just, just give him praise. Give him a little praise. Not the patty cake praise. Give him a little. <laughs> He's good. And he loves you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and attention. And if you want to find out about further resources, go to drcraigjohnson.net. If you have a prayer request, you can leave it there. And also, we would encourage you, if, if this ministry is a blessing to you, we survive solely on the financial contributions of our faithful listeners. So there's a donate page, drcraigjohnson.net. God bless you and yours.